Welcome to the Family Room, sponsored by Versprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Welcome into the family room. We are so glad to have you join us today. And uh, John and Craig and I are here together, as usual. And we're going to be speaking with Evan Lemoyne, who is an expert on theology of the body. And normally we would have a little bit of conversation about theology of the body and our understanding of it. But actually, as we get ready to share with you the recording we did with Evan, we want to tell you kind of behind the scenes what happened in this situation. So, um, John, you actually were the one who I think understood what was going on and went straight to somebody who was more powerful than any of us in this room. <laughs> Amen. It was, uh, I, I, this is a very important topic in our society and our culture for our youth for a whole generation coming up, and I was not surprised. You know, the evil one seeks to, to trash any anything that he can, and and it just seemed that this was so important. I, I just went where I've always gone in my life, is back to the Blessed Virgin, and said, look, we need some help here. And, and, um, and as she has done for 65 years in my life, 64, rocked on. She got it. She cleared the path for us. And the reason we needed her to clear the path is because we were talking to Evan, who was calling in from Mexico, and we were having some pretty bad technical difficulties. He kept cutting out. And uh, so John just went offline and started praying the rosary during our entire episode, our entire hour with Evan. Thank you, prayer warrior John. And thank you. Mary is the most powerful weapon short of our Savior that we could have. Yep. Yep. Ever yeah, and it's not a, not a coincidence that we were talking about theology of the body that was created by John Paul II, and John Paul II also had a devotion to our Blessed Mother. Yeah. So she wants yeah. to make sure that Jesus' word and Jesus' truth is um, heard everywhere. So thank you. And as always, we'd like to start with a prayer. John, would you bring us in with a prayer, please? Yes, sir. In the name of the Father, Amen. and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we come to you. With great thanks and great praise, just an understanding of the, the awesome power that you have in your providence and your guidance and the sovereignty you have in each of our lives. And we thank you that we are fearfully and wonderfully made in your own image. And that image includes the ability to create, and you've given us a powerful gift. And with that gift comes responsibility, Father. We ask you in this time together, in this interview, that you would open our minds and our hearts to understand those things that will allow us to truly understand, truly appreciate, and truly work in cooperation with you in the creation of this amazing world and in this amazing universe that you have given to us. Father, we give you thanks and praise in this and in all things, and we ask for these gifts in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So as we were talking about, we have got an amazing guest with us here today. We've got Evan Lemoyne, and Evan is... Um, originally from Louisiana, but he lives in Mexico. He'll tell us a bit more about his story. But he works with um, Christopher West, who's been a guest here on the show a couple of times and works with the Theology of the Body Institute. And after working with Christopher and the Theology of the Body Institute for a bit of time, 
Evan and his wife, Maria Fernanda Gomez, Fernanda Gomez, um, they started their own Institute for Theology of the Body in Latin America. So um, they do amazing work there as well as throughout the world. And um, they live now in Mexico with their three kids. And um, Evan was even kind enough to take some time away from his family vacation to, to speak with us today. So Evan, we are so thankful to have you here in the family room. Welcome. Thank you so much, Murray, and thank all of you for, for the invitation and for setting some time aside to be able to, to dive into this. I'm, I'm excited. Well, thank you. And um, our listeners love to hear about our guests' faith journeys. So we would love it if you would start by just telling us a little bit more about yourself and especially about what God's done in your life and your faith journey to this point. Yeah, my name is Evan Lemoyne. I was born in Louisiana and raised there. And actually, a big change in my life and my faith journey uh, was when I was around 21 years old and I found out about the theology of the body. And I was in a toxic dating relationship. I was having some issues with pornography and some, some other things. And my parents had separated and then reconciled. And when I went to my dad and I was like, how did you do it? How did you make it work? How did you find the right path? I don't think I'm really understanding this whole love, relationship, sexuality thing. And he gave me a book about the theology of the body that just rocked my world and flipped everything right side up. And uh, the rest is history. That's amazing. It's so it's also so amazing that your dad just had the foresight to be able to share with you. It sounds like God worked in his life in an amazing way to bring theology in the bo- of the body to him and to your mom, and then for him to turn around and share it with you. That's that's pretty incredible. Yeah, and that it can correct some, yeah. you know, some issues going on at the time you recognize weren't really healthy and could turn those around for you. Yeah, totally. It's, um, I mean, I think, I think the best advice is always the advice that people ask for. (laughs) (laughs) And whenever I was in a, in a spot in my life when I could actually ask for advice, uh, that really put me in a position of vulnerability and openness and, um, and really just, and actually it was kind of funny the way that my dad responded because he was like, well, I don't really know I don't really know how to answer these questions. Um, he, he's always been really humble about that, maybe a little um, excessively timid and that kind of thing. He'd be like, yeah, I don't, I'm not really good at this or I'm not really good at answering these questions. But he did say, I'll, I'll introduce you to the guy who really explained it to me. So he gave me the book, John Paul II. He actually gave me the one by Christopher West. And... Um, and he and his Bible study group actually invited Christopher to come down to Louisiana and give a course for a weekend, and and I participated in that, and that was really where things started to to turn around. That's great. So I think, though, I know I still need some clarity on exactly what is theology of the body, and I guess the question would be, why do you think it's so relevant today in the world we live in, Right. I mean, a lot of questions answered, but it seems like it's it's even more pertinent to the, the issues we're running into. So, again, first of all, what is Theology of the Body, and why is it important today? Well, the Theology of the Body is a series of papal audiences, catechesis that John Paul II gave between 1979 and 1984. Uh, it's actually 129 audiences, but he had written it out. It was 135 before um, before he shared it in the St. Peter's Square. 
And it's all about human sexuality, human love, and the way the human body reveals who God is and reveals who we are called to be. Uh, it's about us being created male and female and the call to become one flesh in the image and likeness of God. Just this, this call to communion, and that is through self-giving. So it can't just be a bodily, superficial thing. So it kind of brings sexuality to, to another level. It's, it's kind of like God, it's kind of like John Paul II saying, oh, everybody wants to talk about sexuality? Okay, let's do it, but let's really talk about it. Let's go deep. Let's go into the deepest meaning of what human sexuality is really meant to be in our lives and how it's supposed to bring us to intimacy and even to sanctity. Wow. You know, it's interesting, too, as, you, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, that, okay, 1979 to 1984, St. John Paul II knew <laughs> that not only did they need it then, but we would definitely need all of this now. I mean, he just really understood all of the issues around, or the Holy Spirit was speaking through him, obviously, to really speak to those issues, just because as you're saying that, you're saying human sexuality, you know, us created male and female, us being called to communion, us being called to be self-giving. I'm thinking we need that message now more than ever to, you know, back to the question that Craig said, why now? It's so obvious just by you even just describing what it is, why we need it now. So, so your dad hands you this book that sounds like pretty heady stuff, especially, okay, I've got a son who's 22. I'm thinking, huh? So you were 21. You were about the same age. I'm thinking if I handed my son this book, um, how did, how did God work through it? Because it sounds like it was pretty deep and rich for a, a, a fairly young guy to take on. So how did God work through that? How did the theology of the body, you know, come and change your life as you were reading these words that, you know, at the time were quite a number of years old? Well, he didn't, he didn't give me John Paul II's uh, writings in and of themselves. He gave me the Christopher West's summary of, uh, of the John Paul II's teachings, which is called The Good News About Sex and Marriage. It's a uh, really popular, one of the first books that, that Christopher published, and it's just questions and answers. It's, I don't know how many questions there are now. I think it's over a hundred different practical questions, and each one has like a one paragraph or one page response based on the theology of the body about just about anything that you could ask about sexual ethics and the meaning of sexuality and marriage and dating, uh, all the all the main questions about contraception and in vitro fertilization and same-sex attraction and just about just about anything and it really was was so clear and so practical that it was well first he he gave me a video he let me watch uh one of the talks on video and that helped me to kind of really understand the message and then i was able to dive deeper into it with this question and answer book and then years later when i really felt called to study this is when i dove into john paul ii's writings and uh, yeah, it, it's been it's been a journey. It's been actually half my life now. Um, I don't want to give away my age, but but yeah, uh, half half a lifetime ago is when I found these these teachings, and I've been trying to just to go deeper into this for for the last twenty years. So yeah, it's 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 a beautiful it's been a beautiful process. It's been a beautiful process, and I haven't stopped I haven't stopped reading books about it, studying it, and going over it and over it one time and time again, and uh, it just keeps enriching me. 
given your journey, I have, I have a question relative to um, you had a certain mindset. You knew there may be something wrong with the way you were thinking of love and sexuality. Excuse me. But the question is, as you started to delve into theology of the body, was there ever a point when you looked at something in the teaching and said, I just don't agree with this? This just doesn't make sense. And then how did you come to full circle to go, you know what, I guess this does make sense? Uh, I mean, it was a slow, it was a slow process. Um, I think, I think at that age, there's a tendency to kind of push the envelope a little bit and be like, okay, I'm frustrated. I feel alone. I want something different, but I'm not really willing to change everything that I live yet. Um, kind of like St. Augustine, I think he had said, God, make me chaste, just not yet. Yeah. Um, I think that there was a little bit of that. There was a little bit of that going on. But it wasn't so much a, an intellectual rejection or resistance to what I was seeing. It was more of a, okay, I think this is probably right, but it's going to be difficult. So there was a part of me that was trying to find like a loophole or trying to find a way to to live, to get the same result without following the same recipe. Mm. And as time went on, um, I just, and things just kept changing in my own heart. And I ended up breaking up with, with that girlfriend almost immediately. I mean, I read the, I read the theology of the body book in, in like a weekend and went back to her and I was like, Hey, I want to, I want to change the way that we're living our dating relationship. And she was like, I don't. So we broke up. And after that, I ended up meeting another girl who, who was very deep in her Catholic faith, and she knew about the theology of the body, and we kind of went into that journey together and thought to live a very pure dating relationship. And um, that was kind of a, I don't know, a little, a little rescue. Uh, God helped me out with that. I prayed a lot for that. I said, I, I really need a, a little hanging branch here to get out of this mud slide. Uh, I need somebody to somebody that I can count on and not that she was perfect or God or anything like that, but she was definitely a, she was definitely a good apostle and, and witness to, to the battle for, for living purity. And we, we dated for like two years and that, that really helped in my theology of the body journey to have somebody else who was fighting for the same cause. That's amazing. It's amazing when you do, ask God, right? He delivers. And so many times we're down, you're describing kind of being in that mud pit and we're in that mud pit and we're too busy just trying to tread and keep our neck above and don't even, we sometimes forget to stop and ask him and he wants to answer our prayers. I know that, you know, Craig and John and I have all shared with our listeners, our stories of, um, kind of being young and then finding our spouses and how it was an answer to prayer in so many ways and how God has blessed each of us through our spouses. So I'm not sure if the person you're talking about that you dated for two years is ended up being uh, your wife or not, but can you tell us about that? About I know you've got a beautiful um, story of how you um, and Fernanda Gomez met and began your ministry. Can you talk to us about that? Sure. Um, yeah, the, the girl that, that I dated for two years did not end up becoming my wife. Um, we considered it, we considered it, but we, we found out that we weren't very compatible. But um, she actually started me on a journey of vocational discernment. Um, uh -huh. I ended up breaking up with her to go into the consecrated life discernment. And I was there for nine years, uh, first as like a 
a missionary year and then eight years of vocation of discernment in, in a congregation down in Mexico City. And that's actually what brought me to Mexico. Um, and I kept going into the theology of the body, going deeper, but trying to apply that to a possible celibate vocation. And it gave me a lot of time to study, a lot of time to pray, a lot of time to really, really talk to God about these things and try to work them out in my heart and in my own life. And as time went on, I, I kept feeling a stronger and stronger calling to marriage and, uh, and to continue working in this ministry. I was already doing the Theology of the Body Ministry in Latin America full-time uh, as a consecrated, as a member of a consecrated community. And I was still discerning and everything like that, and and I kept feeling more and more clarity that I was called to marriage, but I I felt called to continue this ministry. And whenever I finally got, um, I finished the process, the discernment process, I got my letter from the cardinal who was helping out with that process, and my spiritual director said, like, all right, you're ready to go. And I, I finished that discernment process. I got on a plane to fly to Philadelphia to take a course on the theology of the body. And literally one day after leaving the consecrated community, I met my wife in the Philadelphia airport at NC Ann's Pretzels. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so it took me less than 24 hours to to meet the, the woman who I'm now married to. And uh, we, we started talking there at the little pretzel stand and... She was like, yeah, I'm going to the course, too. I love the theology of the body. And we got on the bus together to go out to the to the retreat center. And she was like, yeah, I really just want to found an institute to share the theology of the body in Latin America, but I'm just looking for a speaker. <laughs> and I was like, hey, look at that. No, it's, uh, I'm simplifying it a little bit. But, but yeah, it was very providential, the way that our, our paths crossed and, and the way our mission her mission and my mission, our calling, is just kind of blended together. She had also just finished a, a long discernment process in the consecrated life, and we had never met until we had both finished our discernment. So it's just so many things that, that just aligned. And uh, here we are. We've been, we've, we founded the Institute, Amara Maximo Institute, in 2013. And now we're working in 17 different countries in Latin America and sharing the message with anybody who who's willing to hear it. And, uh, yeah, we've got three kids now. We've been married for almost nine years. And we're very happy to to be going soon. Well, I'll talk, talk to you guys about more about that soon, but we're going to be going to Atlanta in a few weeks to be sharing the message in English and in Spanish. So I uh, can't wait. Yeah, I... Listening to your story, though, it keeps bringing me back to how faithful God is. I think Barry mentioned that earlier. But also, you know, recognition of you being humble enough to keep pressing forward, being humble enough to say, yeah, I'm not ready to commit fully to this today, but yet you still walked the journey. You still sought God. And then in that, you said, I discerned. So you went into prayer, you discerned, you talked about having a spiritual director, which is so critical for us trying to get down the path of our spirituality because um, we really can't do it alone, even though we like to think we can. And just how, you know, as my mother used to say, um, coincidence is when God performs miracles but remains anonymous. And you're consistently talking about this anonymity of God 
in our daily life, but the miracles that blossom from that. Um, so it's amazing testimony. That alone is, is amazing. But as we look at your journey into your ministry, what kind of people are coming to listen to the theology of the body that you're teaching? And what kind of testimonies are you seeing from people that are coming there that, you know, that how their lives have changed or like what issues they were facing that after hearing you were like, okay, you cleared that up for me. Let's, um, that we could talk, we could talk all week about, about this question. It's been, I mean, it's been a long, it's been a life full of, full we've got of time. Go ahead. <laughs> there have been a, yeah, there, <laughs> there have been a lot of people, um, I think our our biggest audience was 17,000 people, and only God knows how he touched each one of those hearts. And, I mean, it's been something we've we've had the opportunity to share this message in so many different audiences. And I think a lot of adults think that it's only for youth, and I really think that that it's very important for them to understand that the message is, is for every human being and that we're all, we all need to kind of, rediscover and recover our call to love. Uh, I think a lot of adults have given up on that, uh, even if they are married or if they're separated or anything like that. There's just this feeling of kind of conforming or compromising or just kind of settling for a kind of love that they never really dreamed, that it doesn't really meet the the standard of what they were really looking for. So so I really love trying to, trying to rescue people's original call to love and be loved in the image and likeness of God, no matter what their state of life is, no matter what their age is. And uh, we work every, from every group from fourth grade all the way up to to elderly. I mean, we've, we've worked with every kind of group. We work with married couples. We work with separated couples. We work with Catholics, Christians, and atheists, and public schools and private schools. So we've gotten to see so many things. And I think the biggest, I think the biggest testimonies that come back to me, um, I mean, I've gotten to see people who've gotten married thanks to our ministry. I've gotten to see people who've reconciled their marriages thanks to the God's work through our ministry. I've seen people break free from pornography. I've seen people go into a therapeutic process to to kind of delve into their own emotional wounds and their own history and their own story. Um, maybe if they're experiencing gender dysphoria or same-sex attraction. And it's just been beautiful to see people who come up to you after a talk and just say, hey, look, your life and your testimony really, really at home because I'm living some similar things now. How did you do it? And people opening up to see what God can do in their lives. And uh, and years coming back to you and being like, hey, I went to your talk five years ago or seven years ago, and now I'm married, now I've got three kids, now I'm doing this, now I'm... Uh, even people who started their own Theology of the Body Ministries inspired in, in what they received through this. So it's just like a, a chain, you know, an, an unending chain of, of fruit that that's, it really comes from God, and it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to be able to witness well, and your description of it, Evan, is beautiful as well. I'm sitting here thinking about what you just shared with us as far as your own journey. You know, you were in a difficult place, but you 
began to obey. I mean, there was just a great story of obedience for you personally, a story of sacrifice. You were really offering yourself. You offered yourself in discernment for nine years and um, kept on walking in obedience to God's will for you. And then you ended up with blessings that you hadn't even asked for or imagined, right? It says in scripture that God, you know, has for us more than we can ever hope and imagine. Um, And just that message when you're talking about that people have given up on love and people need love. I think that's what we're seeing in our in our world today. We just have just a couple of more minutes before we head to our break. But I, I would really like to hear and I'm sure our listeners are wondering, too, people come to your talk. They hear your talk. But obviously, it's not your talk that that changes and creates these amazing testimonies that they come back years later to tell you about what is it that they do after your talk? What is the work that they end up putting into it on this journey? Well, I think that's something that we've, we've been trying to to fill in that gap. Um, I mean, God always fills in the gap, but the, the things that helped me in my journey, we're having more books to read and more courses to take and more workshops to attend so we've tried to offer as much follow-up as possible. So now I've got one book out that's called Becoming One. Sorry, it's only available in Spanish so far, but I'm working on the translation. And my new book is coming out uh, pretty soon. And we've got a lot of online stuff in English and in Spanish on the, uh, on the website. And we, we offer a lot of live uh, follow-up courses and workshops so, so really, that's the kind of stuff that, that's helping of people just kind of taking God's hand and, and going through a process and recognizing that it's not just like a, a little bomb that goes off and, okay, now my life changed. It's more of like a, that might be the beginning, but the fuse is lit, but now we got to kind of follow it and keep that fuse uh, on fire until it, until, it really, uh, until it really blows up and, and changes our whole lives. So it's, it's it takes time, and there is a process, and, and I really invite people to take to take God into their lives, um, to really take up prayer, and just to follow the, the normal means as a Catholic to, to be able to grow and, and live a process of conversion and not just, uh, not just have the seed fall onto shallow soil and then get picked away by the birds. I mean, we really need to let it go deep and uh, we need to help cultivate that and get everything out of the way so that it can flourish. Great. So we're going to head to break, but when we come back, we want to hear more about what you're coming to Atlanta to offer because you are coming to offer some of those accompanying wonderful tools to our people here in Atlanta. So we're thankful for that. So listeners, stay tuned. We'll be back in just a few minutes. We'll be right back inside the family room in moments. Sponsored by Versprite on the Quest. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. Healthcare providers should care about health, right? Why then has Planned Parenthood's actual women's healthcare services dropped over 72% in the last 10 years? Abortion is not healthcare. Abortion kills. Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion provider in the United States with 700 abortion facilities. And in the 2019 fiscal year, they ended 345,672 innocent American lives. This is an increase of 13,000 in the last year and 25,000 over the last two years. To put that in context, that is about half the population of Washington, D.C., 
Why then does the United States government continue to send the millions of taxpayer dollars in funding and grants year after year? If we don't stop them, no one will. Let's love God by loving life. Show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Here at The Quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. Now more than ever, people need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. As a 100% listener-supported station, The Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. Please consider making a monthly donation to The Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station. Visit thequestatlanta.com to donate. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is AJ with The Quest. Did you know that we are on a mission to invite, inform, and inspire listeners like you? We want you to embrace your journey and take one step closer to God by not only listening, but engaging with us. In fact, we could use your help with making this vision a reality. I ask you to prayerfully consider joining us as a missionary to help with volunteer tasks at our studio in Roswell, Georgia. If you feel called to help and would like to learn more, please send us an email at info at thequestatlanta.com. Does your parish, charitable organization, or ministry have an upcoming event that you'd like to promote? Advertise it on AM 1160, the Quest Community Calendar. It's easy and there's never a fee. Just visit thequestatlanta.com, click on events, and submit your activity or event. Enhance the success of your community outreach event. Take advantage of the Quest Atlanta's complimentary community calendar and gain more exposure to the Metro Faith community. Submit your event at thequestatlanta.com today. St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com. We're back in the family room, sponsored by Versprite, right here on AM 1160, The Quest. You've been hearing an interview with Evan Lemoyne, who has really become an expert in theology of the body uh, in Latin America. He will be coming here to Atlanta on January 14th uh, to be presenting with his lovely wife. But before we continue um, asking you these very challenging questions we come up with, um, (laughs) a a, a softball question potentially. Um, We're the family room. We talk about a lot what goes on in our family rooms, which could be living room, dining room, basement, kitchen. I think everybody said everything, even the backyard. (laughs) Uh, The swimming pool. Somebody came up with a swimming pool example. Um, What's your favorite family room memory, whether it's when you were growing up or whether it's from now you're uh, small, I don't want to call a small family with three kids, but with your current family, uh, what would you recall the most? Well, that's actually the most challenging question you've asked me so far. So, so uh, I got to be honest because there's so many things that, that I'd want to share, but I, I just went for the easiest, the one that came first to my head. So I'm just going to go with that. Um, there was this time every Christmas, uh, my family, my siblings, and my mom, we would buy these porcelain, not, I don't know, like, no, more like Plaster of Paris Santa Claus figures but mm-hmm. from every different country. So they're like different. Uh, I don't know. There's, I don't know if you knew this, but there's like different Santa Clauses from all over the place. So like the Swedish Santa Claus and the Irish Santa Claus, and they're all dressed different and they're all, they all have their own little look to them. So we'd buy these figures and we would paint them 
and then really just go through the whole process of varnishing them or whatever you call that. I don't remember all the wording, but uh, and we would we would bake them and we would we would go through this process and we would sell those and that would be just kind of a fun little thing where we would kind of share the the Christmas spirit during during Christmas time. And it was like an arts and crafts activity that we would do as siblings with my mom. And so I just remember all of us sitting around the table with like newspaper all over the table, the, the big dining room table filled with these Santa Claus figures and just the fun of, of sitting there and tediously painting every little every little little square on the, the plaid kilt of the of the uh, Scottish Santa Claus <laughs> and everything like that. It, it was just a beautiful experience. And uh, just going through that, seeing something that you work with your own hands and seeing it come to to really look good and, and be worthy of being on somebody's mantle, uh, even of, even being a little kid. So that that's one of my favorite memories. That's great. That is great. Very fun. That, I think, is one of the most unique family room memories we've had. I don't think it's one that a lot of people can actually relate to, <laughs> Evan, so that's pretty impressive. <laughs> well, however many shows yeah, we've yeah, had, I that's agree. a first. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to send you some pictures of the, of, the, of the grand variety, wide variety of Santa Clauses that we ended up painting. But, uh, yes, you know, and that, that actually, um, that might lure people to our show notes. I don't know how many people read our show notes, but maybe we'll post one of those pictures and I'll get them on there. So, um, yeah, for people do, they do ask where are our show notes, because we are going to, in addition to potentially maybe the picture that Evan sends us, we'll also be putting all of the information for the upcoming event that Evan and his wife are going to be coming here to Atlanta for. So our show notes, if you go to thequestatlanta.com forward slash the family room, you will get to our show notes and then you'll see more information there. But um, Evan, we're so thankful that you actually already connected to here, the Quest Atlanta, to our radio station through one of our amazing volunteers, Robert Aguirre and his wife um, have been volunteers here at the Quest for a number of years. And they have our are actually they work with you as well and they're the ones who are um, have invited you to Atlanta and to their church to uh, to actually do this event on January the 14th so can you tell us more about um, the event that's happening here in Smyrna at St. St. Thomas the Apostle Thomas I keep Apostle. I keep choosing the wrong Saint yes. St. Thomas the Apostle <laughs> Church here in Smyrna would you tell us more about the event that you're going to be offering yeah, I'd love to. Uh, first of all, Robert, thank you for the invitation and thank you for your friendship. It's been uh, it's been really great. Um, we we met really only a year ago, but it feels like we've been knowing each other forever. <laughs> and um, it's it, it's been beautiful. It's been beautiful, and I look forward to being in Atlanta again. And thank you for the invitation and for making this possible. We're going to be there in Smyrna, Georgia, in St. Thomas Apostle on January 14th, and in the morning from 9 a.m. until noon, we're going to be offering a workshop for youth. And their parents can join in if they'd like. Um, I don't want them to be there, like, like uh, trying to trying to elbow their, their kids and stuff like that, but, but they can be there. They can hear the message. And uh, the first part is called, Who Am I and What Do I Want?, so it's really about the theology of the body, how it touches our identity and the choices that we make in our lives, and how we can kind of understand the difference between 
false love and true love, between use and love, between sexual fulfillment and sexual addiction, between just just kind of understanding how to satisfy our deepest desires instead of just kind of bringing them to the to whatever seems like it would work and seems like it would satisfy. Um, so that's the first part. It's from 9 until 12. Uh, it's for youth, and it's going to be in English, and the parents are also invited to participate. Then in the afternoon, uh, around 1 o'clock from 1 to 4, my wife is going to be giving a workshop on positive parenting, which, if you're not familiar with it, it's the Adler or also Jane Nelson. And it's basically um, kind of a, I don't know if we can say new, but it, a lot of people aren't familiar familiar with it. It's a way of, of educating and informing our children that kind of leans away from coercion and prizes and punishing and moves more toward uh, accompanying our children and helping them to make decisions uh, in a non-coercive way. So it's definitely, there are boundaries, there are limits, and there there are rules, but it's brought about in a way that, that the children usually take it as their own instead of feeling it as an imposition on their parents' part. So she's going to be giving a workshop on, on how to improve trust, empathy, and harmony in our families through positive parenting. And that's going to be in Spanish. So that will only be for parents. That's going to be in Spanish. And we're already talking about, thanks to you, <laughs> about offering it in English uh, at some point as a couple. Uh, she's fluent in Spanish. She, she's lived in Mexico her whole life. She also speaks English, but she's not really that comfortable giving a workshop in, in English. Um, but we will we will be putting that together to offer it as a couple at some point. So stay stay tuned for that. But those are the two the two events that we're going to be having on Saturday, January 14th in St. Thomas Apostle in Smyrna, Georgia. That Hope is you can great. see everybody there. That is great. And to sign up for that, Robert actually asked that you um, people uh, call his phone and he'll help you get signed up for that. We'll have his um, contact information in our show notes. But if anybody is at a place where they can write this down, you can write down Robert's number. He just handed it to me. He's here in studio with us today as well. Um, and it's uh, Robert Aguirre at 678-794-8318. So 678-794-8318. After just hearing Evan's description of those two uh, sessions, I am sure there are a lot of people who are scrambling for their pens and papers right now to get that uh, get that phone number written down because that sounds amazing. And yes, after I heard your description, I said, uh, Evan, those of us who speak English and not fluent Spanish would love to hear it as well. So thank you for considering that. And I get what you mean. I speak French, but um, it's more conversational. And I do, do understand your wife's hesitance to uh, stand up and, and give a workshop in uh, a non-native language that can be a little bit challenging. So um, so thank you. And you sound, it sounds like you accompany so many people um, in such amazing ways. So we're thankful you're coming to Atlanta to accompany us as well. And in there, you said a couple of interesting uh, things, obviously, with regard to you know, the workshop itself. So let's focus on the youth a little bit more. You know, you've got a session you say is called, Who Am I and What Do I Want? Can you break that apart a little bit to give our listeners a little better understanding of kind of how that topic um, is discussed with kids and what they're getting out of it? 
Yeah, I think I think one of the big breakthroughs of the theology of the body is first trying to help us answer the question of who am I? Mm-hmm. Just seeing seeing myself through God's eyes and through His loving heart and through His mercy, and seeing that He knows me better than anyone else knows me, and He loves me fully. Um, just kind of understanding that unconditional gaze of love uh, that that really changes things. And I, I think if we if we start talking about ethics and we start talking about what you should do and what you should do and what's wrong and what you're doing wrong and what you need to do right and what you need to change, what you need to fix, that really doesn't help. At least it wouldn't have helped me mm-hmm. whenever I was struggling in my youth. Um, and I don't really think it helps anybody whenever we just kind of go in with a, a book of rules and try to like bang it on people's heads. So I think the the theology of the body really helps us to go into this, hey, wait a second, I am loved. And and kind of going into who am I and what do I want with my life is just this deep calling to be happy. And we want to be happy. I mean, I remember whenever I, I found this teaching, I was desperate. I was like I felt like I was on a on a raft in the middle of the ocean dying of thirst and all of a sudden like i had already tried all the salt water around me and i was dehydrated i had already tried all everything that the world could offer to supposedly satisfy my thirst quench my thirst and it wasn't working it just kept getting worse and so i looked to this teaching and to me the theology of the body was like a gift from god like a periscope you know the ones the pirates use and they're like land ho <laughs> it just kind of came down from the sky from from god and i could like just pull this out and look through all the fog around me and see that there was this island on the other side of that fog where there were fountains and and waterfalls of fresh water that that i could drink that what i'm trying to get at here is to understand that every one of my desires was placed in my heart by God. Mm. So the call is not to find out how to repress my bad desires. It's more about how to redirect my raft toward what actually satisfies my desires. To understand that all of my desires deep down are good, but they sometimes they're twisted or sometimes I'm just trying to like lead them to the wrong thing. I'm, I'm going with the salt water and, and I'm not going to be able to, to satisfy that. So to me, that's the, that's the point of this first workshop is kind of to understand who I am and God's unconditional love through his gaze. And how can I bring my desires to their satisfaction and fulfillment by opening myself up to understanding a little bit more God's plan and just to know that I, God wants something better for me and that I deserve better. I deserve more. I don't deserve to be alone and unhappy. I deserve to live a life full of love and happiness. Mm. You know, and when you were describing this in one of our earlier conversations, you you said you were you also kind of break up in some differences, like differences like what you just said, kind of happy between happiness and I don't remember if it was fulfillment. Can you describe that a little bit as well? Sure. I think we start off just kind of understanding what happiness is, uh, the difference between happiness and pleasure. Pleasure, that's between it. Between dopamine and, yeah, dopamine and serotonin. I mean, I can have pleasure by myself, but really we're only happy when we're with others. I can have pleasure by taking, but happiness comes from giving. Mm-hmm. Uh, pleasure is short-lived. Happiness is long-lived. Pleasure is superficial. Happiness is deep. And 
even if you go on a neurological level, um, there are so many things that we become addicted to that are really just pleasure-based. You think about gambling, you think about pornography, you think about even social networks, things where you're not introducing any new substances into your body, but there are habits that we have in our lives that are causing an overdose of dopamine. Mm -hmm. It makes our brain produce, overproduce a chemical that's not bad in and of itself, but it saturates uh, our, our neurons and it makes it to where serotonin, which is more of like the, the, the happiness or the zen kind of feeling of peace and well-being, doesn't fit anymore. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't, it can't even connect to the receptors. Uh, so uh, I might be getting complicated here, but sometimes what we really want is rest. And so we'll go play PlayStation for seven hours mm. and end up with a crick in our neck and exhausted and angry and anxious. And we're like, oh, I'm so glad I rested. And we're like, what? <laughs> so so we, we, sometimes we do like the exact opposite of what we want. And, and we get attached to that. We get addicted to that. We get, and it gets really hard sometimes to choose happiness over pleasure mm-hmm. and in no way am i against doing things that we that we enjoy that give us pleasure but what i'm saying is we need to find out how to have a healthy relationship with those things and not think that this habit or this activity or this thing can fulfill me yeah. and that i need a lifetime supply of it and i need infinite quantities of it and marathons of my favorite series otherwise i'm going to be anxious we really need to go into that and see hey if this is really good for me, then why would it make me more anxious than before? Mm-hmm. So find what really brings happiness. So that's one of the things. One of the things is happiness and pleasure. We talk about the difference between use and love, between sexual self-giving and sexual uh, lending, which mm-hmm. is more of like a service provider relationship um, or, or kind of a mutual prostitution, which sounds kind of rough, but uh, I, I think that. Mm-hmm. Deep down, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we go through a lot of that, those topics, talking about dating, talking about parties, talking about the way we use our time, social networks, social media, consoles, habits, life habits, choices. And it's all geared toward helping people to reflect on what are the activities in my life that make me happy? And what are the things that, even though I enjoy them, uh, maybe I need to regulate that a little bit more because the way that I'm living these habits is not making me happy. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of the goal there. Yeah, well, I mean, it's all right order, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you, everything you're talking about is uh, putting things in the order that God intended them to be, you know, starting with our sexuality. But even, I mean, you go down even deeper than that is, you know, who is God to me? How do I view him in light of my own life, where I've come from, what my life has been, um, and to accept the fact that God made me wonderfully made. And if I'm a guy that maybe doesn't like sports, that doesn't mean I'm not a guy. If I'm a girl that likes sports and I'm a little tougher than, than most of the guys in my class, that doesn't make me not a girl, right? That just makes me unique in who I am and who God made me. And now how do I drill down on that with God? How do I sit with God and really ask him, Lord, what does that mean for me? Because I'm great the way I am. You made me the way I am. 
and you want to help mold me the way I am. And I think we've lost that, right? I mean, the whole idea of, well, I don't feel like that today. So I feel like I'm going to be a panda bear today. Well, I mean, that doesn't work. Or I feel like I want to eat ice cream all day. You know, that's not right order. That's not just order. That's not what God ever intended. And it sounds like a lot of what you're doing is really putting that order back into these discussions with people and really, again, trying to get people to look at their Heavenly Father and find out who am I in you? How do you love me? And one thing you said earlier, too, that I loved when you talked about the parenting portion that your wife was doing, we're hearing a lot about accompanying today, not teaching, not conjoling, but accompanying. Father Bartunik talked about mm -hmm. it. We did, we did an interview with a priest here mm -hmm. that he was trying to convert his father. And instead of preaching to him, he just said, I'm going to be a son. I'm going to sit with him. I'm going to love him and going to get into that relationship. And through that simple relationship, his father came back to the faith and his father was, you know, um, mm -hmm. reconciled. And I think that um, this is definitely something we need to make sure more and more people are hearing about and getting out to hear these kind of talks, getting the books on Theology of the Body, putting our lives back in right order. I don't know. Yeah. I don't really have a question in there for you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I didn't hear a question there, but I got <laughs> a lot of, yeah, it definitely brought a lot of things moving in my heart. Um, and I really think that it's an invitation to be happier. I really mm -hmm. think that deep down, if it's not good news, then I don't care. Um, if, if somebody's going to come and just say, hey, I've got this gospel thing that's going to tell you that you have to stop doing all the stuff that you enjoy most in your life, and you need to stop now because it's bad. It's like, wait a second. But if somebody comes and says, hey, you know, those things that are really frustrating you deep down, where you keep going back to these same fountains and they're just dried up and they're not giving you what they promise and you're really just not as happy as you wish you were. And maybe if you turn your raft a little to the left and, and row a little bit forward, you might find some fresh water that can really satisfy. That's good news. I mean, if, if we can talk about what our desires mean and how to satisfy them. Yeah. That matters. Um, and I think, I mean, there's one of the things that we talk about in this workshop is the difference between belonging and fitting in. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we try so hard to fit in that we betray ourselves. We wear masks. We, we pretend. And what that ends up causing is that we don't actually feel belonging. And, and one of the deepest needs of the human heart is to feel love and belonging. And the more, the more I fake it, the less I feel I'm loved and that I deserve to be loved and the less I feel that I belong because the only people I can be with are the people who don't really know me. Mm -hmm. So th there are so many things in our lives where the fake version, the saltwater version, even though it really looks like what, what satisfies is the exact opposite. So it doesn't, it, it's not only that it doesn't satisfy, it actually dehydrates us. Yeah, yeah. So this whole like fit in culture of social media and getting all the likes and getting all the followers and doing just about anything, uh, juggling just to try to get, get people to, to look at me and to approve me deep down causes a deep sense of non-belonging. 
and, and anxiety of, of feeling like I don't really belong anywhere and no one really knows who I am. So you get people who have millions of followers and end up committing suicide because they feel alone. Yeah. And you say, okay, well then we need to find out what the desire really is looking for and how we can find satisfaction and what God wants for me. Not only what he wants from me, but what he wants for me and how we can tap into that. Yeah, and Evan, you as you spoke, um, and as you spoke further and further, it made me think of one of my favorite verses from Scripture. You know, so the truth that God offers us through Psalm thirty-seven, four, where it says, "Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart." You were talking about the desires that we have. What are those desires? And if we delight ourselves in God, in the Lord, follow after Him, let Him be the one who's accompanying us through this, and ha- let Him be the answer to what we're seeking. He will give us the desires of our heart. And I think your story today that you've been so beautifully able to share with us from your from your own childhood through um, your current marriage and your current ministry is just a beautiful example of that, where you delighted yourself in the Lord, and He has given you the desires of your heart. Um, in beautiful, wonderful ways and in in ways that you are now sharing with everybody else as well. We've got about two minutes left. And in that last two minutes, would you share with us briefly your website where people can access your materials? And we will also have that in the show notes. And then also close us together by praying for our listeners. Yes, I'd be happy to. All of our social media is Amar Al Maximo, A-M-A-R-A-L-M-A-X-I-M-O. And the website is amaralmaximo.com. Perfect. So my email is evan at amaralmaximo.com. So yeah, I'd be happy to receive any of that. And yeah, let's go ahead and close it with prayer. Thank you very much for the opportunity. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God, please help us to open our hearts and open our minds, open our ears to hear your voice. And we ask you for peace in our interior we ask you to touch those desires that we may have tried to put away, to, to hide away, or maybe what we thought that can never be satisfied. We ask you to tenderly open those places inside of us that are afraid of frustration, afraid of being let down, and to open those up to you and, and let you tenderly caress those desires and bring those out into the light and help us to find a path where you can lead us to the satisfaction of all of our deepest desires in this life and in eternity. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Evan, thank you so much for being a blessing to us and to all of our listeners today. We really appreciate you um, calling us from Mexico and being on the show with us. So thank you. Thank you. And listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to The Family Room, where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in the family room, sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.